and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It is episode 87 as we hit January 19th, 2022, the middle of the work week. Hope you guys are having a fantastic one wherever you guys are tuning into this podcast. Only two more days till the weekend. Now I work weekends. But this weekend is actually different for me. I don't work Saturday night. I do work Sunday night. But Saturday night, I'm going to go see Elton John at Toyota Center. Uh, I had bought these tickets two years ago with a buddy of mine. And we were going to go see him back then. Then COVID hit. Everything got pushed back, postponed, canceled. And all of a sudden, we realized they had rescheduled the date of that concert for this coming weekend. I think we noticed that last week, two weeks ago. And so now it's coming up. We're going to go see Elton John, so this weekend's going to be fun. So only two more days until that, only two more days until you guys hit your weekend. So uh, hope you guys have a lot of plans. It's going to be cold again. God, I hate the cold weather. I get I get in such a bad mood. My wife gives me a hard time about it, but I get in such a bad mood when it's cold, and it's going to be super cold over the next two or three days. It's great now. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Get a little bit of rain. That's okay as long as it stays warm. But no, it's supposed to be in the 30s again, maybe 29. It's going to be 29 maybe on Saturday. I hate it. I don't like it. Puts me in a bad mood. I don't like the Jekyll and Hyde nature of our weather. I've lived in Houston now for, oh goodness, 30 years. I've lived in Houston for 30 years. And I, you'd think by now I'd, I'd get used to this because that's what happens all the time. Uh, but it still catches you by surprise, man. So I don't, I don't like the Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Pick one. Give me at least a week, a couple of weeks of one, and then we'll make the change, a couple of weeks of another. But not like from one day to the next and then jump back. to. That's how people get sick. That's how I get sick. When we got so many different types of temperatures and weather conditions, and then now with this whole COVID, Omicron stuff going around, I think there's going to be a couple of more cases uh, because of this weather changing and all this stuff. So I don't like it. I think it's uh, I think it's dumb, but that's what we get here in Houston. Before we continue, today we're going to talk about a couple of topics. Uh, nothing really major happening, but I thought some things of note. Uh, we'll get into that. And I will finally have my interview with uh, all-pro linebacker Sean Merriman, former Chargers great. He will be on the show. Now, full disclosure, I did the interview a long time ago. Uh, back at the end of 2021. However, in my defense, a lot of stuff has been happening of late. Texans talk, fired a coach, I got COVID, and so I just really have not been able to get this interview up. But today, I will finally put it up. Uh, We talk about a couple of things, and I'll introduce that a little bit later, including some of his work that he's doing with uh, a new fight league that he's promoting. Uh, that he is actually the owner of, so we get in all that too. So Sean was great. It was nice to talk to him. Before we continue, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Don't know what you're doing. We got a great response, by the way, from our last podcast episode where we talked to sports radio personality Mike Meltzer about the Texans' current state of affairs. Uh, He was always great, always uh, fun having Mike on. We got into it a little bit. Uh, not fighting-wise, but we got into the topics about Nick Casario and who's to blame. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Episode 86 posted that at the end of last week. So, how are you guys doing? Hope you guys are doing well. For me, I finally got a workout, and it's my first 
post-COVID workout, actually first workout of 2022. Um, and it felt good to be out there, man. Now the weather's going to be cold again. We have a we have a gym in our garage, so I bought one of those portable heaters to finally put out there to see if I can get some workouts back going. I just hate working out when it's cold. Having said that, though, uh, this past weekend it was super cold. My wife kicked you-know-what in the marathon. She was fantastic. A personal best time for her. Half marathon, I should say. She did it under two hours. I was so proud of her. Went out there to support her. Uh, it was cold, but all the runners did great. So congratulations, guys. You were uh, fantastic for running in the cold conditions. And I bring that up because maybe it's because maybe it's I'm, I'm riding this marathon high that I, I watched her do this and I was so proud of her. But I have committed to run the half marathon next year. I'm going to do it. OK, and so I have to get on my workout schedule. I have to uh, I have to get going with that. I have to make sure my back is OK, but I'm going to run the half marathon next year. It's kind of one of those bucket list items that I've always kind of wanted to do, but I was kind of chicken to actually sign up for. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the half marathon next year. My wife's going to really just kick my butt. She's going to blow right past me. That's OK. I, even if it takes me like three or four hours to finish that damn thing, I am going to do it. I'm going to do it because I think it's it's good to challenge yourself and it's good to do things that are out of your comfort zone sometimes. And running, especially running long distances, especially in the cold, is definitely not in my comfort zone, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it this year, and I'm going to get that done, get a medal, and I think it's going to be cool. Plus... My son was asking me after my wife did it, Daddy, when are you going to run the half marathon? Well, I can't disappoint him, right? So uh, I'll be running for him. I'll be running for myself, and uh, we'll see what happens. I may need the whole week off after that. I'm not really sure uh, how my body is going to react. Uh, my wife's a warrior, so she just kind of bounced back up. She was a little sore, but she bounced back up and was ready to work out two days later. I'm like, God, calm down. Okay, just take it easy. Uh, but, uh, we'll see. I, I, I am committed to that and I'm excited about it. But today, my first post COVID workout, it felt great being out there. As I said, I bought a little portable heater, um, to get the garage warmed up when I'm out there, when these cold temperatures come up. And I do have to say about COVID, look, it, it, it we talked about this before and it was, it was pretty terrible for about 24 hours, not going to lie. And then I felt... I just felt like it was a cold, it was sore throat, you know, some of the post-nasal drip stuff that happens in a normal cold that you get sinus infection, all that stuff. Um, but I will say this, man, the lingering effects of it stayed with me for about a couple of weeks. Like there were days when it would be, I would be exhausted. Now, maybe that's because I'm, I'm trying to catch two kids under the age of five in my house every night because uh, I'm the one that is with them every single night, and because my parents, they usually help me out. My parents usually come over, help me out with the kids uh, a couple of days a week, but they were dealing with their COVID issues, so I was kind of like fighting this on my own, man. I was like, I was, I was in the house. I was with the kids. My wife works at night. Um, she's one of the main anchors over at Fox, of course. If uh, if you follow this podcast, you know me. Been on the air. You see us, and we do our thing on social media. Uh, so she works nightside. So it's kind of been like me with the kids, and man, it's been it's been rough. But to go back to the COVID thing, I I've just felt tired, like randomly, random parts of the day, 
I would just be like, oh, man, I'm done. I'm ready to pack it in for today, go t- go sleep for like 10 hours. So it was a lingering type deal for me with COVID. And it was it was it stayed with me for a little bit. Uh, but I felt good this morning. Oh, this afternoon is when I worked out. Modified the workouts a little bit to kind of get back into the swing of things. And it was absolutely great. I'm so glad to do it. I have a great uh, I have a great outlook on this. I, I want to get my workout plan really locked in, especially after we get back from Disney World next next month. We're taking my son for his birthday down to Florida, down to Orlando. He's never been to Disney World. I haven't been in a long time. I love Disney World. Uh, I kind of judge people that don't like Disney World in a way, or Disney as a whole, uh, because they do so many good things for kids and offer so many good memories. But you you will run into those folks that that they hate Disney, hate what everything everything about Disney. They think it's all cheesy. I, I kind of question those folks. I'm not gonna lie, but we're excited about our trip to Disney. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, and then after that, I'm gonna I'm gonna structure my workout routines. I, I think I'm gonna go join uh, Nine Rounds Gym uh, close to the house. I'm gonna do some boxing workouts too. I really want to get in great shape. Kind of get myself lined up for the half marathon. Also, for the summertime, pool weather, beach weather. I kind of want to look my best this year. That is a commitment that I am making. So I'm feeling good today. I'm excited about where we're headed, and so let's talk about some topics today. The first one involving some news that broke yesterday, I believe, or two days ago, ah, last two days, Carlos Correa news about his uh, his new relationship with Scott Boris. It's his new agent. So Carlos Correa has a new agent, and it is Scott Boris. That news becoming official this week, Boris announcing that news uh, on his agency's social media pages. Uh, it's interesting where Carlos Correa sits right now as this lockout continues. Uh, the owners and the Players Association met last week. The owners offered a proposal. It's still being looked at by the Players Association. Hopefully they kind of come to some sort of agreement so we can get the ball rolling on the spring training. I still stand by my prediction that spring training is going to be delayed because of these uh, labor discussions. But... I do believe the season will start on time. And uh, Carlos Correa is in an interesting spot. Look, I get the question all the time about whether or not he's going to stay with the Astros. I think he should. Um, But now that he's got Scott Boris, uh, I don't think he's going to. Uh, Boris famously gets his clients a lot of money from usually the big market teams. And uh, he was the one that was complaining about... uh, the team's tanking and whether or not that's that's good for the game. Well, it's not good for him, his business, right? I mean, he wants his clients to make a lot of money, which in turn makes him more money. So he's not in it for teams tanking or rebuilding or all of that. He wants teams to spend the money that they have. And usually it's these big market teams that get his clients. So uh, my prediction for Carlos Correa is that he's going to go to the Chicago Cubs. Now, is he going to win anything there? No, because the Cubs suck. Uh, after they traded everybody away last year. He's not going to win there, but I think the Cubs offer him the money that he wants. There have been reports that his price tag before the lockout was around $330 million. That was the asking price. Uh, that's a lot of money. But I think for him, uh, what's important is the guaranteed years. And uh, if he could get the 9, 10 guaranteed years, I think that that would be huge for him. He just has the baby. Uh, for his family. I mean, that's that's big money. That's big, big guaranteed money there for Carlos Correa, especially for a guy who's dealt with injury issues in the past. So 
that's that's I don't blame them. I don't blame them for looking for uh, that kind of guaranteed contract with that uh, length. But I think overall, for his brand and for uh, success on the field, he should stay with the Astros. Um, if he stays with the Astros, look, the Astros are going to be a World Series contender next year. You know, they're still going to be good, uh, especially with him in the fold. They're still going to be good without him, I think. But with him there, I, I believe that there's still a World Series contender in that American League. Um, but I, I do think he's going to go to the Cubs. I don't think he's going to go to the Yankees. I could be wrong. The Yankees always start – they always pull a rabbit out of their hat, right, with a bunch of money. and. But I, I think there are some underlying issues there, not just with the fan base because the fans in New York are always fickle anyway. So they'll, they hate a guy one year, and then when he joins their team, they're like, oh, man, this guy's awesome. Come on board. Most fans are like that, not just the ones in New York. But Yankees fans in particular, they're kind of like that. So I guess there's a chance that he goes – to the Yankees, but I'm still thinking the Cubs are the spot. They're not going to be any good. They're not going to win any games. So I think that's a good spot for him to uh, to go get that guaranteed money. And the Cubs, look, they're they're they've got the money. I mean, they they print money over there on the north side of Chicago, even though they don't win any games. They've done it for years. Uh, but uh, I do think that's where Carlos Correa is going to go. But I, I did think it was interesting too that Boris is now his agent. Uh, I think it'll make things a little bit harder for the Astros. I still hope he stays because I like Carlos. I like covering him, and I, you know, I've, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. Uh, we exchanged messages the other day about his new baby, which was awesome. And um, look, I hope he stays. I think he's great for the city. I think the fans love him here, and you know, he's got that attitude, that 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 swag that the Astros really need. Because if you take him away, who's got the swag on the team? Nobody. Alex Breckman has no swag anymore after the last couple of years. Jose Altuve's not that type of guy. Um, Lance McCullers does. But you you need a guy in the everyday lineup that has that swag. Carlos Correa brings that. Uh, so I hope he stays, but we'll see what happens. Next topic, speaking of the Astros, uh, an announcement coming down yesterday, Tuesday that is, that the Astros will be rebranding the Sugarland Skeeters, their AAA affiliate. So the Skeeters will be no more. Uh, the the team will still be there, but they won't be called the Skeeters. And multiple reports indicate that uh, the, the new name is going to be the Space Cowboys. So the Sugarland Space Cowboys will be the uh, baseball team down there, uh, the AAA affiliate of the Astros. And I got to say, that is really dumb. That is a really dumb name. I had a friend of mine from Northwestern. He brought up a, such a good point, I thought, on social media about this. Like, Space Cowboys is cute. It's like the Trash Pandas. I think they're a, a trip. No, they're a, a single-A, double-A affiliate down in Alabama or something like that. The Trash Pandas. That's a cute name for a team that's like low-A ball. Uh, single-A, double-A, maybe. But when you get to AAA, like, you need to have a little bit of closer affiliation. You need to have a little bit more of a respectable name, I feel like, for your AAA affiliate. And Space Cowboys is completely ridiculous. Like, that I, – I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just thought it was so funny when that name came out. So they, they announced the rebranding. I'm like, okay, cool. I love the Skeeter's name. In fact, I ordered a hat yesterday before they take all the merchandise off. I didn't have a Skeeter's hat. I love the Skeeter's name. I, I thought it was it's so Texas. Um, the logo was funny with the with the with 
the stinger going through the baseball and the Texas look. I thought it was great. I, I love that that aspect of it. So, I mean, I get that the Astros want to change it. I don't know why. I think teams overthink things sometimes, especially when it comes to marketing. And and I think all companies do that, by the way. They, they overthink strategies. Just keep it simple, man. I think a lot of people like Skeeters. It's different. It's it's unique, right? Um, and it, it, and it fit pretty well, man. Down here, we get look at our mosquitoes down here. They're everywhere all the time, and they're huge. Perfect description. But now we get Space Cowboys. And I just think that's that's cheesy, that's lame. I don't like it. I think it's a horrible name. And um, hopefully the reports are wrong. I don't think they are. We'll see what the logo looks like. But I, I just think that. I think that, that it's a it's a lame name uh, for a AAA affiliate. Um, so I don't know. You, give me your thoughts. I, I had a lot of cool suggestions on my Facebook page before this news broke. I did ask the question, "What do you think the new name should be of the AAA affiliate down there?" But I, I nowhere did I ever think Space Cowboys was going to be uh, the name that they picked. That was not even on a radar. I didn't. Even, I don't even know where they got that from. You know when I hear Space Cowboys. I think of that movie with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, the the other three old guys that go into space. I thought that that was, yeah, that's what I think about really when I hear that when I hear that name. Uh, so Space Cowboys, it is down in Sugarland. I don't like it, but we'll see. Next topic: Nick Casario uh, on Sports Radio 610 this week, and I think the biggest thing now with the Texans has to be the situation with Deshaun Watson moving forward. Uh, will the new coach impact whether Deshaun stays? I don't think so, but it's an interesting conversation to have, especially if it's a guy like Brian Flores, who Deshaun, through reports, if you believe them, has indicated is a guy that he wanted to play for when he was in Miami. Maybe it was because it was in Miami and he wanted to get out of Houston. But Nick Casario was asked by Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne, two great radio guys here in town, about the Deshaun Watson situation and whether or not He's going to be here next year, and this is what Casario had to say. thought it was interesting. Nick, I know you try to stay open to as many possibilities as possible with, with, with everything with the football team. Is In the list of things that could happen with Deshaun Watson, is there any possibility of him coming back and playing for the Texans at any point? It's uh, a good question. You know, I, I, I think, you know, there's been some commentary, and you know that that more than likely would not be the case. But I think, to your point, again, like you mentioned, I think we just have to be open-minded and just take the information and process it, and ultimately make the decision. You know, that we feel makes the most makes the most sense for for everybody involved, whatever that looks like. So that was Nick Casario on Deshaun Watson. I think he's gone. They need to trade him, no matter who the coach is. Get a good haul for them. Uh, for him now moving forward, and I think um, I think that's the right move. And, you know, Casario's already hinted at possibly moving out of the number three spot. So um, if they're able to trade Deshaun, they move out of third, they get a lot of pieces in the first, second round, I, th- I think that could be a good – that could be a good draft for this team. Yeah, there aren't, like, marquee players this year in the NFL draft, but you have a lot of guys – that could be foundational pieces that could develop into pretty good pros. So I, I think that might be a good move, um, especially if there's not a great pick right there at number three. Just come back down, get multiple selections, and uh, approach it that way. All right, here we go. Sean Merriman now. I've been teasing this for weeks, but here is the interview with the uh, former All-Pro linebacker of the uh, San Diego Chargers. 
We talk about a lot of things. I asked him initially about all the other COVID issues going on in the NFL, what he thinks as a former player looking in. By the way, notice all those COVID issues are gone now that we're in the playoffs. Remember during the regular season, we were having players drop out all the time. What happened? They stopped testing or what, what's going on? I thought that was interesting, by the way. Uh, so I asked him about that. I asked him about uh, a former Northwestern lineman who now is playing with the Chargers, Rashawn Slater, Clemens High School product. He had a great rookie year. Keep in mind, this interview was done before the Chargers Texans game. So, like I said, it was in mid December. It was a long time ago. So, we did. I, I don't want it to sound dated. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm prefacing the interview with all of this that, yes, I did this a long time ago. But here's Sean Merriman. We also talk about his. Uh, uh, MMA a league that he's starting up, that he owns, and he's really excited about that. It's coming to Houston, I think, this year. So here's Sean Merriman, former All-Pro linebacker. Sean Merriman, nice to talk to you. Uh, I guess the first question is, what's your take on this NFL season so far? And then we're going to dive into some particulars about the Chargers, Texans coming up this weekend. I mean, it's it's been a great season leading up to now, right? It's, it's getting a little wacky. Um and much like, you know, a few seasons ago where it was, you know, uh, just all over the place, we, you know, got a lot of uncertainty happening because of, of COVID and, and what's going to happen in the playoffs, playing games on Tuesday, which I never thought in this lifetime we'll, we'll see. Um, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully that they, you know, the protocols are holding up and the process is good where they can at least continue the season. After being in an NFL locker room for so long, do you kind of feel bad for these guys having to go through these uncertainties? Because, you know, getting ready for a game already is is hard enough. But, man, you're getting thrown curveballs right and left here with these situations that keep popping up. I do. And the reason why is because, you know, football is a, a very strong-minded, regimented um, and, and physical and brutal sport. And so, you know, trying to get your mind ready for a Tuesday night game or, you know, uh, off week because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you just don't walk into a stadium and just ready to play football. You got to prepare for it. Um, so you got to just kind of move the punches, realizing that everybody is living into this, this point of uncertainty where we don't know what's going to happen or what's going, you know, what's going down. But uh, they found a way to get through it before, so I'm sure that they're ready for it this time around. Uh, this weekend, the Texans and the Chargers, two teams that uh, seem to be going in opposite directions uh, right now. We'll talk. We'll, let's talk about your former team, but more specifically about that rookie uh, left tackle that they have. He's a Clements High School kid. He's from Houston. Uh, I'm kind of biased. He went to my alma mater, Northwestern, too. Uh, but what do you think about Rashawn Slater's performance so far? Just how amazing is it that a rookie at that position could excel the way he's doing? You know, I said this early on, and this this was game one when they were playing the Washington football team, and he was going against Chase Young, 101. Um, and he asked for that 101. And he could be a guy, if he stayed healthy on this path, to go down as one of the best. Um, and so when you have a, 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 a player like Justin Herbert there and you got uh, Rashawn Slater blocking for him, you know, those two are going to be around uh, for a very long time. And I played against some great left tackles. You know, I'm, and I'm talking about the Orlando Paces, the Willie Rolls, the Walter Jones. I, I've seen and Marcus McNeil on my own team who I, who I had to practice with and face every single day. Um, you can if he stays healthy, he, he will be up there on that level. He, he has that potential. Is it just all about confidence? For him because he feels like he he wants the best matchups and he, he was like that in college and it seems it's playing out man he's got the, all the confidence in the world right now it seems like 
You, you know, all, all the best ones want the one-on-ones. They, they feel like they don't need any help. They don't need to chip off the edge or slide protection or anything like that. Uh, and they want to face the best. Uh, and he's that. He wants to face the best. Uh, they should feel very comfortable with him protecting Justin Herbert's uh, blind side for a very long time. It feels weird for me to still say L.A. Chargers. I'm sure it's kind of strange still for you after a couple of years but since your San Diego days. What do you think about that team overall? They're, I mean, every time they're on TV, I, I tune in. They're fun to watch overall. They, they are, and, and they got great leadership in Brandon, Coach Brandon Staley now. Um, you know, I got a chance to talk to him. He called me uh, the day that they brought him in. We talked for 20 minutes that night, and you could just hear in his voice. It was a um, – it, you know, he realized the opportunity and what he was walking into, uh, you know, as far as he having a Justin Herbert, um, you know, having, a, uh, you know, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You, you're walking into a situation with Joey Bolson. You're walking into a situation where you got guys there. You just need to figure it out. And he sure enough figured it out. Uh, they had a couple of mishaps this season, a couple of games they probably should have won. They definitely should have beat the Cowboys and let that one roll by with a couple of penalties. And, uh, they had an opportunity against the Patriots. So they've been in just about all their games, except for one, I think, the Ravens, where they didn't play well. Um, and, and they got great leadership, and it starts at the top, and it's showing. Hopefully they hopefully they keep up this pace and, um, you know, make that run in the playoffs. Well, like I said, it seems like the exact opposite is happening here with the uh, Houston Texans. They, uh, they've hit some rough times after a pretty good stretch there. From an outsider's perspective, here in Houston, everybody's got their opinions about what's happening. From an outsider's perspective, when you look at the Texans organization, we know all the issues that Deshaun doesn't want to play there anymore and all the things that have happened. Uh, as a former player and an outsider now looking at this, what, what, do you, what do you think about the Texans situation right now? Well, you know, for one, if you're a free agent, it's, it's hard for that to be your first pick, right? Because you see so much stuff going on. Um, you you hear a lot of negativity. And if that's going to bring some light on you and also, too, um, you know, you need to bring in some fresh blood, you know, and I'm not talking about from the top. I'm talking about players included um, and, you know, kind of change the, the attitude of the locker room and the front office. They have a lot of work to do. Um, and, you know, playing in a playing with an organization like that, they have an opportunity to to do well. And especially in that division, um, I, you know, what a coach are playing well, but, you know, they got an opportunity. They got a shot. They just need to uh, start bringing in some, some fresh blood. And I think that's um, that's one of the first things that I would do if I was there. Andre Johnson came out and supported Deshaun Watson, saying that, hey, look, he needs to stand firm. Some of the things didn't go his way. And I know you're not you know, in tune with all the particulars, but a, a player that's under contract like that um, saying, Hey, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to play. I want to be traded. You you've talked to many guys, different circumstances. What, when you heard about all that stuff was happening to Sean, what did you think? Well, the first, first and foremost, when you start shipping out, you know, a, uh, a Deandre Hopkins in, in the prime of his career, one of the best receivers uh, ever to play, uh, J.J. Watt and getting rid of guys who can help you win the championship. Then you start to question the organization in the front office. Um, and, you know, yes, they gave Deshaun watching. So I think that most people are probably going to say shut up and play. Uh, but also, you, you know, you, you want to shut up and win, too. Right. Um, and so, you, you know, when you're, when you're big, uh, you know, your horses leave and, not, and, and your opportunity to win football games slipping away, you feel that as a player. Um, yeah, I've been in situations like that where you it's just very questionable what's going on. You're trying to win. You're trying to understand what the front office is doing. Um, but when you're kind of kept in the dark and you're not positioned to win football games anymore, it kind of falls all back on your lap, no matter how big that contract is.
All right. Well, I want to ask you about your NFL playing days. When you think about your time in the NFL, what is uh, what's the first thing that really pops into your mind? Uh, just the teams that we played on and, and my teammates. You know, I walk into the locker room with LaDainian Thomas and Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates, Lorenzo Neal, uh, Donnie Edwards, Randall Garfrey. I mean, all over the kid, um, um, you know, so many four different Hall of Famers on one team. Uh, and so you don't realize the, you know, the greatness of the teams you had until you step away from the game a little bit. And like, I, I believe in 2014, 2015, uh, you know, being able to reminisce with LT and Phillip and, uh, and, and some of, you know, the teams that we assembled back in those mid 2000s, that's probably the first thing I think about. How much fun did you have playing when you got into the league, you tore it up and you were having, I mean, I remember you playing those days. I mean, you, you just had a lot of fun looked like you were enjoying yourself, but what, I mean, that's something you dream of, right? You went, you were at Maryland, you wanted to play in the NFL. I mean, how, when you look back at those moments, how much fun did you have out there on the field? Well, when you get, you know, 60 minutes to create havoc uh, and just terrorize the hell out of people, it's, it's fun. But, um, you know, more importantly, I just missed the competition of, of the game, um, you know, being able to wake up and comp- to, to compete. I mean, that was a, a huge part of why I played the game, running up to a crowd of, of, of 70,000 and millions of people watching. Uh, being able to go out there and make something big happen, uh, creating a turnover, uh, having an offensive coordinator zero you out, you know, for uh, for plays saying hey, we can't make this guy block. And, and some of the players and coaches coming to tell you after the game said, dude, we were staying away from you. Um, and so th- those are the things I miss about the game. Um, not necessarily the physicality of it. It's a rough sport, but it is the greatest game on earth. Uh, and I, I guess that kind of transitions to uh, retirement, right? Because you, you kind of dabbled in WWE. You, you, you did some of that stuff. You, you do Miss Martial Arts, and now you've got Lights Out uh, Championships, Extreme Fighting. Like, w- talk about how you still want to be engaged in that competition, and we'll kind of get into the particulars here about what you're doing now in a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I guess I like physical sports, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I picked up uh, MMA and started working on that uh, between 2005 and 2006, and honestly, I wanted to just get better with my hand-eye coordination and being outside linebacker pass rusher. I wanted to be able to use my hands well, which I did. You know, 2006, I came out and led the league in sacks, uh, and my body just completely, my game just completely transformed. Um, you know, fast forward 13, 14 years later, I launched Light Todd Extreme Fighting. Uh, now on football sports, for anybody out there that's looking at all, all of our past fights, if you don't have football, get it. Um, all of our seven fights are on there, and we have another one coming up late January. How rewarding is it that you're doing this now and succeeding? because you, you participated in everybody when they start a venture, they have a goal and they want to make, they want to be successful, but this is kind of cool, man, that you, you're, you're, you're doing this stuff now. Yeah. You know, I, and I say this, um, to any former athlete, when you first retire, it's, it's a struggle trying to figure out that next step. I don't care who you are or how many things you got lined up when you're not playing a game of football. Um, you know, it's a struggle to try to figure the next step out for me it was a transition into building lights out and lights out extreme fighting and, and, and getting ready to uh, build the next up and coming talent and also trans transition former athletes. We got tons of, of former athletes from all sports, not just NFL, but NHL, uh, rugby, uh, former track stars are now picking up uh, mixed martial arts and, and transitioning them into lights out extreme fight. What was that? What is the eye opening moment for athletes that did other sports Maybe you've experienced the same thing and then got into MMA first. What's that light, uh, that eye-opening experience like for them? Well, uh, for one, the transition is not easy, right? Um, you you got to come over and be extremely disciplined. 
uh, and learn the sport. But I can tell you this, as being a former athlete, walking into another sport, you, you understand discipline and work ethic um, and how to learn, you, the ability to learn there because you've been learning your whole entire life. Uh, but yeah, come on over, all you former athletes, come on over to Lights Out Extreme Fighting. We got something for you. What's next for uh, your group? You said that it was on the platform Fubo, right? Is that, that, is that what you Yes, Fubo, Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. Um, for anybody that want to watch out there, you can get the app anywhere in the country. Um, and we're steadily growing. We got one of the fastest growing MMA companies in the country right now. Uh, it's the next greatest up and coming MMA talent in this sport. Uh, and we have a big fight coming up sometime in January or, you know, right after the Super Bowl. We haven't announced a date yet, but uh, we're looking for the next uh, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 8 uh, is coming up soon. What has been the biggest challenge in launching this venue or this uh, this venture, I should say? Uh, the biggest challenge is, you know, having a, the big leagues come and take a, take your top guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I mean, that's you know, fair. We, well, I look, guess that, got, that's look, a bad thing and a good thing, right? Because you're developing you, these guys in a way. Yeah, when, when you have the, the, the next up-and-coming great talent in this sport, you, you, you gain a lot of eyeballs from the big boys. Not necessarily a bad thing, not a great thing, but not a bad thing. Um, but we wanted to keep growing our talent, growing this league, and, and growing in part with our partnership with football sports. Sean, I, I love seeing former athletes do great things after retirement. Congratulations on all the success, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, Sean. Uh, great conversation there. Good luck to his uh, new endeavor. I know he was involved in wrestling, too. So I, I like athletes that stay in their competitive mindset. I think that's really cool. So Sean Merriman, when those guys come to town, hopefully I'll catch up with him again. That's going to do it for this episode of Time Out with, with DG. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you haven't checked out my other episodes, go listen to those as well. I will have more at the end of this week before we head into the weekend. A couple of interviews with some UFC legends who are now undertaking and are, are now part of a new uh, MMA boxing triad combat thing, which I think is going to be kind of cool. I'll explain that to you on Friday with those interviews. Until then, see you later.